Hello and good evening everyone, this is Kevin Finkel. Welcome to the 15th episode of Magic the Final Frontier. As always, on this podcast we'll be discussing the Frontier format, keeping our listeners up to date with what is new, powerful, and interesting in the world of Frontier. And I'm Kevin Handlin, host of the Untap Open League and a Frontier Grinder. And I'm Matt Murday, Frontier lover and Spike in Toronto, Ontario. Alright, so what is new, powerful, and interesting today is Rivals of Ixalan, full spoilers. The set spoiler just released this morning, so we'll be jumping into it with fresh eyes. Many of these will be uh, just making some judgments on without even having tested, so don't blame us if we're excited about things that turn out to be trash, or if Matt says that something's trash and then, you know, it ends up being really good. So we'll try to give you our best informed opinions on all these cards, especially for any which might fit into existing archetypes. So I guess I'll just start off. The thing I love about this set is that we actually are getting a ton of really good cards that I think people are underrating. And I think the reason for that is that they don't fit into existing archetypes, which is awesome. Absolutely, yeah. I, I'm seeing at least two new archetypes that are brand new and ready to explore in Ixalan. <laughs> Get it? Explore. <laughs> but I mean, like, we don't. Oh, wow. Okay, so we don't need. I, I could definitely see us going both ways here. So we can start with some existing strategies, or we can go into some of the just cool new cards. I think you're especially talking some tribal cards, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we should probably go through the tribal cards, like each by tribe and then you know we'll we'll talk about you know if a card stands out as being good outside the tribe we can definitely talk about that too okay great there's definitely still a lot in ixalan as well that is not tribal such as the transform cards and there are legends that are not in any tribe there are uncommons and rares that are multicolored and not in any tribe so there's a lot that's worth talking about all right do you want to lead us off with something matt what are you excited about because we are excited to have you back so get us as excited as I'm, I'm super pumped to, to be back <laughs> but i'm gonna have to go the slow burn on this my exciting stuff's gonna happen really at the end so for okay. now let's jump okay. right into vampires the tribe everyone sure, is clearly the vampires. most excited about. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty excited about vampires. i've been trying to brew vampires and vampires are hard to brew so i'm actually going to go on a little tangent here real quick is that i've said before on the show that it's a big thing Morrow has talked about, that he doesn't want to make tribal strategies in standard, usually. Really, one of the big reasons for that is that it's so solvable. If there's nine playable vampires or witches or whatever it is, you just put all of those same cards in the deck, and then you've solved the format. So you can't really have that deck be tier one. Instead, in Ixlan, they're kind of giving us an embarrassment of riches. We've got so many decent to playable cards with different things, different synergies that they go well with, that we kind of... We have a deck there, but we have to figure out which of these many, many parts is worth putting together into one thing. And So there's like 11 two-drops in Vampires I like, but I can't run all of yeah. them. Yeah, and I think with Vampires especially, is we have a lot of cards that are outside of Standard that really help it out. Um, I think mm-hmm. of the tribes here, Vampires is probably the farthest away, or you'd have to put in the most work to get it to work. Um, <clears throat> but that said, I still don't think... I think they're still pretty good. Uh, especially if we can see the meta transition to more of an aggro meta. Okay. Yeah, uh, because, absolutely. Yeah, I think they're going to go the do, do the go wide thing really well. And then the other thing they do really well is life gain, right? So if we, if we were to see a shift towards a more aggro-oriented meta, which I think is pretty likely, I think, personally, I think Control's days are, are, are coming to an end soon. All right, we'll see on that. Um, yeah, but... I agree, actually. I think there's a lot that Control is going to have to put up with in, with the new additions in this set, and we'll talk a little bit about that coming up. Not just I, this I... set, but like for my brew for the next season, 
is is gonna <laughs> destroy control. It's gonna people are gonna be salty. You're already locking it, huh? I uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's awesome. But anyway, back to vampires. Uh, so I don't know. Like we've got a we've got some cool cards in Exelon that I think could take vampires to the next level, especially if we're looking at vampires as a token strategy, which I think you should be. Mm-hmm. Alright, give us a card. Let's uh, just name something. I'll, I'll be doing what I did kind of last time, that they'll name some sweet cards, and I'll just sit here and name what exactly they do. So the obvious one I think that's really going to ramp up vampires is Legion Lieutenant. Okay, so that's the one white, one black. Other vampires you control get plus one, plus one, and it itself is a 2-2 vampire knight. Yeah, it's just like a two-mana lord, which is, those are really good. You know, we don't we don't yeah, we don't have a lot of those in Frontier. I think it's like Thalia's lieutenant, and now we're getting two more this set. You know, yeah. I mean, there were those uh, the warrior ones that just did one side of it. I oh, think it yeah. was something of the scale and something chief of the sword and yeah, chief of the chief edge of and chief of the scale. Were those yeah. two? I thought they were three. No, it was just the two. All right. Still, half a lord is a lot better than a full lord, or a lot worse than a full lord. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it so is. Other one, yeah. I think the other cards here, we've got like role players, right? So we're looking at Sky March or Aspirant. Okay, so that's the one white, two one. It's just that, unless if you have Ascend. It, it, if you have 10 or more permanents. So this is the the new mechanic, if you haven't heard it. If you have 10 or more permanents in play, you get City's Blessing if you have one of these Ascend cards in play. And then you keep that for the rest of the game. And then there's a bunch of cards that do more things if you have the City's Blessing. So this is a two one for one. But if you have the City's Blessing, you, it has flying as well. So maybe later in the game it can fly over some blockers and break through a board stall or whatever. Yeah, and I think the big thing is, like, Ascend doesn't really matter, right? Like, it's Ascend is icing. It's just it's a one-mana two-one. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's it's an above-rate body on a one-drop, and that's mostly what makes it a good card. I think that the Ascend cards that are going to stand out if we're going to talk about Ascend as a mechanic, and we should because it's one of the themes of the set, is that the card has to be good both before and after you get 10 permanents in order yeah. for it to actually be a good ascend card and you know what that said i've played a little bit with a few of the ascend cards and even like verse control i was finding it surprisingly easy to turn on really hmm. yeah yeah i've I been mean, it's not a rule like you're not definitely going to turn it on but like for how like because lands and like you can get a lot of like a lot of like little tokens and stuff right so, like, if you're in a deck that can run, like, Tireless Tracker, your clues count as permanents, oh, yeah. right? Uh, and lands, all that stuff. So it's almost, like, incidental. You you can build up a lot of permanents almost by accident in a lot of decks. Right. I think that something that I started doing when the first Ascend card was spoiled, Vona's something or other, the two black instant. Is it Revenge? Vona's Revenge? Or Vona's Vengeance? Vona's... Um... I'm trying to... Vona's Hunger. There we go. I think we had originally seen it. Yeah, so it's a two and a black ascend instant. Each opponent sacrifices a creature. If you have the City's Blessing, instead they sacrifice half their creatures round up. Okay, so since we... Right, so... Wait, hold on. Hold on, hold on. (laughs) So when this got spoiled, something that I started doing habitually because you could tell that this was going to be a mechanic that was going to be tying the set together, at least within Vampires, right? was I started counting in every single deck how, like, when someone got to an Ascend count, whether it was in Marvel hmm. or whether it was in, uh, you know, like, Sahili Felidar or Bant Humans or White Weenie or Junt Delirium, like, when are these decks getting to Ascend, right? When are they getting City's Blessing? Just sort of on the on the sly. 
and I found that it's typical to get to Ascend for most decks, not including Control, by turn four or five. So, hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I think, I think it kind of depends on matchup a lot too, right? Because like, obviously, if you're against a Control deck and you're playing White Weenies, that's going to be delayed. You're not hitting Ascend on turn four. If they have any removal at all, you know, uh, or counter spells. If you are, you're winning the game yeah. right there. Yeah, but that's okay too, right? Like, like control by its nature is going to be a grindier matchup. Yeah, most definitely. I don't think that control is looking to apply city's blessing very often. No, I just mean like as mono white humans, you're not going to get turn four uh, ascend right uh, oh, versus yeah, control. No. So, but against other decks, it could be what pushes you forward. Absolutely. On, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, as far as Vona's Hunger goes, since it came up, I think people are like really overrating this card. They're looking. Oh, I... go ahead. Overrating so. it or underrating it? I thought a lot of people are over. I think that's people... interesting. Well, I think people are looking at its best case scenario, right? People are saying, "Wow, half their board—that's a whole lot," right? But I also think that the reality is that the front end, like the without City's blessing, that card isn't mm-hmm. good enough to have in your deck. A three mana Absolutely. edict. No, I don't think so. A three mana edict. It's a that's a terrible card. Even at instant. The other speed, thing that really got great. me off this card is that you, you look at it and you think best case scenario. Okay, if I kill two creatures with this, that means I was in a really bad position before that. Yeah, I mean it kind of depends too, right? Because like half their creatures. Yeah, that is. You're right. That is four, right? That's they have a four things on the board, and I mean that could happen in like a kind of like a go wide uh, board stall kind of mirror. Like, mono mm-hmm. white versus mono white. Not that you'd have Vona's Hunger, but that's on my mind, I guess. Vampires versus vampires, we'll say, because they're both go wide. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess. But it, it does seem kind of... It seems very soft. I, I, I certainly wouldn't main board it ever. Yeah, and you're still giving them a choice there. Yeah. yeah. So I think that pretty well covers Ascend, just as, like, the two polar cases of Ascend, right? Where you have Sky Marcher Aspirant, who is an above-rate body on a one-drop, which is a card you would want to play anyway, regardless of whether you got to Ascend, right? Yeah, I mean, you at least at least in your go-wide strategy. Yeah, absolutely. In White Weenie, it's exactly what White Weenie wants. I mean, I don't, um, see, I don't see this in White Weenie, because I think White Weenie is just a human's thing. No, I agree, but there are multiple takes on the White Weenie strategy. It's a classic archetype in Frontier. Like, we most often find it in a human's strategy, but... It's it's a classic aggro strategy. It's not something that can just be pigeonholed as like that's always humans, you know. It's in in cube. It's often an Isamaru based dog strategy. So yeah, you know. All right, guys, let's get a little <laughs> more back on topic here. Of uh, vampires, were there any other really cool vampires we want to mention before maybe moving to another tribe? I just want to name drop Oathsworn Vampire. It came out today. It's an uncommon, uh, and it reads: mm-hmm. It's two mana for a two-two. Oathsworn Vampire enters the battlefield tapped. You may cast Oathsworn Vampire from your graveyard if you gained life this turn. Yeah, that one's really cool. Of the, you know, 11 two-drops that I was talking about earlier, I think this is going to be one of the three or four that makes the cut after getting rid of a lot of other really good potential vampires. Yeah, it's just like a recursive body on a two-drop, usually good. And some of the stronger things that vampires can do, such as the the Stromkirk Condemned, the ones that will be discarding cards. If you can discard this... That's some real value. If you can um, sacrifice it for some of the sacrifice effects they might have, that's yeah. Like great. you also have that vampire from Eldritch Moon with uh, it's like the five drop, but it has madness for three. It's a three three flyer, 
And if you sacrifice three things, uh, the opponent has to sacrifice three things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, there's there's tricks like that that are pretty cool. That's certainly an option. Now, something than the bigger side of vampires, there's definitely some like four drop vampires that came through. There's actually two mythics. Do we want to quick talk about those because they're uh, interesting cards? I mean, personally, <laughs> if you want to call people them getting excited about them. Personally, I don't think they're worth the time to talk about on a competitive podcast. <laughs> actually, yeah. So right. Matt and I have been joking about these because when they were spoiled, it was before a lot of the lower to the ground vampires had been released, and we were like, "Well, it looks like in this set." The vampire tribe is the tribe of overpriced one ones. So, <laughs> yep. so I think one of the ones you're mentioning is there's the one that exiles something when it comes into the battlefield and then can get larger when it attacks. Not great. A lot of people seem to be interested in Twilight Prophet, so that one I'm going to drop real quick. It's one of the mythics here. The two and two black flying two four. And if you have a send, then at the beginning of your upkeep, you look reveal the top card of your library. Your opponent loses as much life as its CMC, and you gain that much life. A lot of people are big on it, and I was trying to be like, guys, let's maybe not be big on it, because there's so many other things that vampires would like at the four-drop slot, and personally, I don't think that makes the cut. Well, that's my my main problem, is that you're not getting to ascend in a vampire deck that runs four-drops. Not likely, no. Would you like this in a non-vampire deck, just as, you know, it's a it's a bob, it's a flying bob with a, a big butt that's hard to bolt? I don't think, you would have to have it on, like, an absurd body for me to want a four-mana bob. <laughs> yeah, in, so what, are we are we saying, do we want this in a mid-range strategy? Because in mid-range... Is, yeah, I'm asking if you'd is, want this in a mid-range. Is this bob also a siege rhino? Because, yeah, sure. It, right, it has there a siege are a rhino's lot of body. things cramping that four-drop slot. I want Kalidus, I want siege rhino... You know, like I, there, there's more things that I want from. Uh, a I think. Drop. I think the thing is, like, at my four drop slot, I want my win condition, not my grinding engine. Right. Exactly. All right, I'm right on the same page with you guys. I, I'm just trying to be the hype guy because I know that's what everyone wants me to be here. But I can't get that hyped on a uh, Twilight Prophet, and I don't think I can get too hyped on Elenda either. She's the legend there, the one one life link for four. Ooh wee, one one for four. <laughs> yeah. she was sold. She was so close. To being playable as a one of in rally, all she needed was one less mana cost. <laughs> yep, absolutely. And like, yeah. she wouldn't have been good, but you could play her as like a one of. It'd be fine. It'd be a fun of, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of one less mana cost, there's this sweet cycle in here that one of them's a reprint. Um, the Merfolk, uh, the Silvergill Adept is a reprint, but is a very good card that's coming well, we'll, by. Let, let's quick. Whoa, whoa, whoa. let's let's just get to that when oh, we get okay. to Merfolk. We're we're getting ahead <laughs> of well, I was gonna mention, I was gonna mention that there's a cycle of it. The Vampire one though finally came out today after I was really excited for them to finish the cycle, and it was by far the worst one of them. It's a two-two flying for three or two-two flying lifelink for three if you can reveal another vampire, and that's just not good enough. No, not at all. <laughs> It's it's almost the final a card. Vampire Nighthawk. Yeah, yeah. If it had one more toughness and death touch, it'd have been good. Yeah. yeah. Or if it had cost one less, maybe. Yeah. So the final card I want to talk about for vampires, uh, and it's kind of like a, it's not necessarily a vampire card, but I think vampires is its home for now, and that's Radiant Destiny. Hmm. So when you say you think that Vampires is his home, is its home, is it because you think that Legion's Landing is the best way to produce tokens for vampires, or the best way to produce tokens at all? Yeah, I mean, I think if you're in a vampire go-wide token strategy in white, black, possibly red, yeah, yeah you should be on Legion's Landing. 
you guys mind if I quick read this one? This one is the two and a white for an enchantment that, as it enters the battlefield, you choose a creature type. Creatures of the chosen type get plus one, plus one. And if you have the city's blessing, they also have vigilance. So something to note that sets us apart from Always Watching, which was the Shadows Over Innistrad anthem that we got that um, is very similar. Uh, it, it requires two white pips in its CMC, though. The thing that distinguishes this from that, other than Ascend, is that it provides the benefit to tokens as well. So I think that's why Matt would particularly point to it as a um, token card. Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah. And it's the only reason I would run this over uh, Always Watching. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, it is one less white pip, so it's easier to splash in something like this white-black, white-black-red, etc. Yeah. Most I mean, definitely. I, I think it's a good card, but it's hard to get excited about it when it's so similar to Always Watching. <laughs> well, on the other hand, if you listen to our, I think it was two episodes ago now, we were talking that we wanted some other effects that you didn't have to be playing non-token creatures you didn't have to be playing humans we i wanted more anthem effects and we got not only the vampire and the merfolk one but we got this one which can go with any kind of creature type i mean i guess i feel like this is limited in the traditional token strategy because the traditional token strategy if you're looking at uh oh my god i can't remember his name he lives in japan japan hobbyist um, if you're mm -hmm. looking at his decks, Ryan Schwenke. Yeah, there's like he has like seven different kinds of tokens, right? Like it's there's a crazy number of different tokens, and they're all different races. So it's it. Yeah, it's difficult to get them all in one. Type. Yeah, you don't they don't fit. This doesn't fit into the classic token strategy because it's limited to uh, kind of that tribal focus. Okay, so anything more on vampires? Uh, I could see maybe one more card I wanted to mention, which is that three three for one and a white. Um, that doesn't untap at the beginning of your untap step, but every time you gain life, it untaps. Yeah, vampires are very good at having lifelink, and this reminds me <laughs> yeah. a lot of a card that's very, very popular in multiple decks in Popper, which is Nettle Sentinel. And mm -hmm. Nettle Sentinel, Sentinel does the same thing whenever you cast a green creature spell. So I believe it's whenever anyone casts a green creature spell. You're right, actually. It's, it's really whenever, weird card. <laughs> yeah, so like it ends up hitting the mirror match quite a bit and being something that you possibly board out. But it's a one mana two two. And mm -hmm. this seriously reminds me of that card because it's an above rate body that does the untap at a very specific thing that the deck is good at doing. I mean, I think part of the problem with that is that Nettle Sentinel is often paired with uh basically guys who can make nettle sentinel tap for mana oh yeah totally yeah. so like it, he kind of has this uh feedback loop where you know you you play you play a one drop untap nettle sentinel uh, and then just chain all your whole hand into the board using nettle sentinel right yeah we're talking about mm -hmm. elves specifically here you can also just use him for a giant um a giant creature with elephant guide and stompy but yeah yeah, yeah. so i mean I, I see this a little different i don't I, as much as they are good at gaining life, I, I don't know how... I mean, maybe. It's it's not bad. Not yeah, bad not, is kind of sure where the, where the buck worth, stops for me. I'm not sure if this is worth just putting in a deck with a bunch of lifelink creatures, maybe giving it vigilance, is that, if that's enough to make it broken. The other thing is that there's potential for combo here, because if there's some way for it to happen to gain life in the future, we'll have to look out for this as a way to you know combo off. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that said, I think, I think uh, vampires are probably the most boring topic we have to cover tonight so let's <laughs> like i think they're they're the farthest away from being competitive 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm not sure I agree. With I mean, that. I think we'll, we'll talk about that. I, I think most of the tribes in Ixalan. Okay, mm-hmm. obviously pirates are the worst, but they're all humans, so that doesn't count. Are we going to pirates? No, we're going to go to dinosaurs next. <laughs> oh, okay, dinosaurs. Now, dinosaurs. This is good. There's no way dinosaurs can be bad, right? Absolutely not. No, actually, I'm really excited for dinosaurs because a lot of the things that are that the tribe is getting are exactly what I said that it needed in previous sets, which is lower converted mana cost good creatures i actually think dinos are getting a, like a crazy number of like legit playable cards that are good enough you don't have to play them in dinos now that's kind of where i am is that i was the one who's actually sort of big on dinosaurs i thought that there was pretty close to a competitive deck last season on dinosaurs and a lot of the things i'm seeing that i like out of dinosaurs here they aren't really dinosaur deck cards yeah i agree with that right they're not maximizing on enraged triggers and getting huge things out of fighting with creatures and stuff. I mean, there is, right? Because there's that new red removal. I forget what it's called, but it's like one mana. Oh, that card is so Four good. damage uh, to a target creature, two damage to target creature you control. So, I mean, like... The two-sided flame slash. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, but it's an instant. That seems... Yeah, so it, it's an instant, which is what's great about it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how generally good it is, but it seems like in, a, in an enraged deck, and there's certainly powerful enraged creatures... I think you could probably make good use of it. So that's a reckless rage, by yeah. the way. They're really, you know, calling to that it's an enrage card. But I almost think that card might be good enough in a deck without enrage. I agree with that. It's. Yep. I'm not certain it is because it's hard to evaluate, right? But right, yeah, it's it something that you absolutely need to test, and it's also something that I'm I'm really surprised to see in this set, honestly, because Ixalan was so removal light. So to get a one-mana removal spell that does something that one of the tribes really wants and otherwise is just generally pretty great is awesome, and it's definitely something I'm, I'm ready to test. I've wanted a one-mana lightning bolt that could hit creatures for a while. It's a bummer that it can't hit players, but it's pretty solid. Yeah, so I mean, this uh, the fact that you need to have a creature is definitely a downside. You, so you can't cast this if you don't have a creature of your own. But I don't think that's too high of a hurdle. I mean, Dromoka's Command is still a great card, and that also requires you to have a creature to be removal. Yeah. And then this is a one-mana spell that kills Copter, and it kills Felidar Guardian for one mana. Like, that's not something we really have in Frontier. Yeah, I think it's actually and... a piece of a Nea strategy that's been building, but hasn't been there, and it's get- slowly getting better and better and, like, closer and closer to viable. It keeps uh, getting there almost. Yeah, I don't know if we're quite there <laughs> yet, but we're like really close now. Like we're really close. And a big part of that is having efficient ways to deal with creatures, right? Because up until now, if you didn't have Fatal Push, you really couldn't deal with creatures efficiently. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I think that we might see some... This is really speculative, but I think we might finally see some cool equipment in Dominaria. And Boros is classically very favored in terms of being able to dish with equipment and yeah I, I think that would be what would push naya that could be what would push naya into being viable anyway let's actually move right. back to dinosaurs yeah, yeah let's talk about let's dinosaurs. dinosaurs and <laughs> can i do something real quick let's there are six legendary dinosaurs i kind of want to just give read them off and have you guys give like a three second response like i know that we've kind of talked about all of them individually but i just want to hear what your thoughts are so blue one Seven mana, seven seven, can't be countered, have no maximum hand size. When opponent casts a non-creature spell, you draw a card, you can discard three cards, exile it, and comes back to play at the beginning of the next end step. Unplayable. Uh, yep. Nope. Hard no. <laughs> Hard pass. It, it, 
I mean, can you give anything more? I mean, what we've said, I think, offline is that it's too slow to be something that you'd main deck in any kind of blue finisher control deck, which is what it's clearly there for. And if you're siding it in, I'd rather side in the Sphinx of the Final yep, Word. Absolutely. Yeah, I it's would rather do Sphinx be for beating the Control Mirror. Yeah, right on the nose. Yeah. Right on the nose, exactly. All right, so yep. Tets, Tetsimok, Primal Death, this is the black one. Six mana, six, six. Death Touch. And it has this cool ability where you can reveal it at the beginning of your upkeep and pay a black. And then it puts a prey counter on a creature. And then when it finally enters the battlefield, you destroy all the creatures your opponent controls that have prey counters on them. Cool as shit. But super bad. Super bad. <laughs> Yeah, really, really bad. How how often do you have the mana open for this <laughs> in a control deck? That's just it's really, really cute. I think it would be the best way to put it. It's cute. Yeah, if you could activate it at instant speed, it might be better. But you have to do it at your upkeep, and you don't really want to be spending your mana as a control deck on your upkeep. It's super cool. It's definitely one of the coolest Elder Dinos. Oh, it's your whole. It's actually during your turn. It's not just your upkeep. I was wrong there. Sorry. Yeah, it's one of the coolest Elder Dinos. It's really, really cool. Like, I love this card, but it's it's definitely bad. It's stylish. Yeah, and again, there's other examples of we have something as strong. We have Noxious Cure Hulk, which you don't have to do. Jump through all these hoops for it to work. Yeah. You, we have Languish, which is a board wipe that just does board wipe. Mm-hmm. So kind of each of these, it's we know what they're trying to do, but we've got something else that does it better. You right know, now. I actually think Noxious Cure Hulk might see a little more play if it didn't die to Languish. <laughs> I think that's the problem because like control decks aren't interested because they, anytime they need to languish, they're going to kill it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about Italy, the Primal Storm, six mana, six six. As Italy, well. Italy, yeah. one. <laughs> uh, when he attacks, it, you exile the top card of each player's library. And you can cast any number of non-land cards exiled that way without their paying their amount of cost. What I want to uh, know is why we get this exact red mythic every set. Ugh, it's right? So it's a lot like Summer's least... Invocation, and it's a lot like... Um... This one's a rare, at least. At least this one's a rare. It's not taking up a Mythic slot, but it is being a Legendary slot. Yeah, I feel um, like... I... Sorry, go ahead. I think this is an amazing card for EDH, but I wouldn't play it in Frontier. Completely. Yeah, that that's 100%. Alright, I'm kind of building up to the maybe the better one. Alright, so let's talk about Zetalpa. This is the... 8 mana, it's not an 8-8, it's kind of breaking the cycle there, but not really, because it's a 4-8 double strike. Also flying, also vigilance, also trample, also indestructible. This is the timmiest card I have ever seen in my life. (laughs) God, it's so huge. (laughs) It's so huge, and just why? Look at all those keywords! In Frontier, you just have better things to be doing at 8 mana. Yeah, I think you could be casting... Emrakul, you could be dropping an Overwhelming Splendor. Worldbreaker, Ujin, you know, like, so many things. If you really want to ramp up to that much mana, for one, you're probably not in white most of the time. Uh, And for two, there's just better things to cast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And is there, how is it as a recursion target? You know, we bring it back from the graveyard. Is that worthwhile? Or are there better things you can do with that as well? I think Emrakul is a better target, even if you don't have the cast trigger. Like, if you're just okay. reanimating an Emrakul, Emrakul is harder to deal with because instants can't hit her. I think if you're doing recursion in white, then you're going for little things most of the time because the best the best Sun Titan we have in this format is Renegade Rallyer. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, Galta is the green one. 12 mana, 12-12. Although it costs X less to cast, where X is a total power of creatures you control, and it has trample, which it should. 
I like this one a lot. I, I love it. Yes. I, I think it's like barely fringe playable. Like you could probably sideboard it in for certain decks. Yeah, you could. <laughs> it it's definitely exciting to see something so huge with cost reduction on the card. But I think that's just my hype goggles over here. Well, I mean like look at this so- window. Because like if you're in an abs if you're Abzan versus Abzan, right? Mm-hmm. You're probably gonna be prone to board stalls. Like just are, you're both playing big fatties. How do you break through? There's like so few decks have a way to answer Galta if you cast it. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was one of my questions: is how do you answer that? Because you can't push it. Vraska's contempt, Abzan <laughs> charm, uh, declaration and stone, and like deck deck and stone's not really played. Not much, no. Yeah, so I mean, like it's that's gonna win the fight. Murderous cut, Com-Com. like yeah, murderous cut would hit it. But like that's not a crackling lot of dooms. Yeah, but I mean, no one plays crackling doom right now. Yeah, and yeah, that's true. All right, the other question I have is: Is this a dinosaur card, or is this just a good card in a big green deck? I think this is a green card. I do not think it's a dinosaur. Card. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you know what? If you're playing dinosaurs, you I wouldn't be offended if you played this card because you know it, it it's just a big dinosaur, and dinosaurs are big, so it's gonna you know you're gonna power out dinosaurs pretty fast. But, uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think it's fringe, and it's mostly a sideboard card for uh, mid-range matchups when you're in green. All right, last one running up the cycle sort of here. Nine mana, nine, nine. It's red, green, white. It's Vigilance Reach Trample. It, when you enter the battlefield, no, when you cast it, when it enters the battlefield, you untap all lands you control. It has three heads. It has three abilities. One of them does three to a creature. One of them gains you three. One of them destroys an artifact enchantment. It's just such a cool card. The Melvin and me loves it. It that's all we really need to say about it. Let's just not even talk about it. <laughs> I'm buying this card for EDH. Like There's I... no cost reduction on this one. Let's not talk about a nine mana spell. Yeah, I agree. With no protection. Yep. One day you're all gonna right, so that's one my day you're gonna play EDH Finkel, and you're gonna you're just gonna love this card. <laughs> I'm sure. Alright, so that's kind of my spiel. You know, we've got a couple other mythic dinosaurs too there's the polyraptor an eight mana spell we're gonna probably not talk about it there's the five mana one the three and two white uh five five trap jaw tyrant and when it's enraged it exiles a creature until it leaves the battlefield any thoughts there i think it's really really cool if you can get an engine going but it's really really it wants a lot of setup it it wants a lot of setup and like if it was just exile target creature, I'd be like, maybe. But if it's, you're they're gonna get all those creatures back when they hit you with an Absan mm-hmm. charm or just block well or do something. You know, they, this thing is removable, costs five mana, and it takes a lot of setup that can be really easily undone. There's so much in white for five that we'd rather be doing. Yeah, and not to mention that like when all of those creatures that you hit away under this thing come back if they have any enter the battle triggers enter the battlefield triggers your your day is ruined like you they're gonna get a clue they're gonna reflect your major god they're gonna get a siege rhino like they're gonna gain some life drain it from you it's it's gonna be bad all right dinosaur hype people i'm sorry i haven't been your uh your guy <laughs> this episode yet but now let's move to some actually playable dinosaur cards let's talk about the cheaper ones Ooh wee. All right, which one first? Someone pick for me. I'm too excited. Let's start with the let's start with the least exciting and we'll build up to the most exciting. 
So okay. let's start with Relentless Raptor. It's a Boros dinosaur, so one red and one white. For a 3-3 Vigilant that must attack or block each combat if it's able to. I actually think this is this one's pretty exciting. I, I would have gone with a yeah. totally different card. Okay. I don't know if you saw, I dropped this straight into a, into a deck list. Yeah, I'm really excited to play with this, honestly. It's an above-rate body. Vigilance is severely underrated, and it's an amazing ability. And considering that this is going to be bigger than most things that your opponents play on turn two, you're fine with having to block with it most of the time. Well, and especially because... It's also hilarious. Oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, sorry, it's also hilarious, that, that ability that it's going to fight every single combat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I mean, like I think to me this goes in a Dromokas command deck. Uh, actually, both of the two little dinosaurs do. Uh, so, uh, so the other one you want to talk about is the Siege Horn Ceratops, which maybe, maybe not playable. That's just one green, one white for a two-two. Only ability is that when it's dealt damage, you put two plus one plus one counters on it. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, Man, less... I'm gonna make Naya Fight Club, and it's gonna be so sick. <laughs> that's the best name for it. I never even thought of that, but that's that's what <laughs> Naya is looking like right now, right? Uh, yeah. And I think it, we're getting really close. And I think one of these two cards, maybe both of them. Uh, could would play a big part in it, right? So obviously, Dramok is commanding your Relentless Raptor, turns it into a four-four with Vigilance, which is just nuts, right? That's a that is a bonkers card. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Seedhorn Ceratops. I'm 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 not sure how to evaluate it, right? Because it seems the low end seems kind of whatever, but I think we're also okay with our two drop having kind of a low like a a whatever fail case. Mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. when it can become a 5-5 five five with one Dromokas command. And you know what works great with both of these? I'm going to be the first one to introduce one of our flip enchantments. Is Path of Metal. Deals one to each creature that doesn't have first strike, double strike, vigilance, or haste. And whenever you attack with two creatures that have one of those abilities, you flip it over into this gross land, taps for any mana, one in a red tap, deals two to each opponent, eventually kills any kind of control player, two and a white tap choose a creature at random that attack this turn and destroy that creature i actually think that's the best of the flip lands by far really okay yeah really sorry the best of the flip lands in rivals by far and i think it's Man, i had some people tall. talking trash about it but i'm excited and i think it's card. it could be and i think it's the second best of the flip lands overall Ooh. i think it's right it's Search I for Ascanta's. Search now. for Ascanta's better, and that's it. <laughs> and, uh, Legion's Landing, or oh, uh... I forgot. Never mind. It's number three. Legion's Landing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. I was wrong. I'll okay. throw my hands up. Okay. So one thing I will say about Path of Metal is that it is so Boros. It looks like something <laughs> so right weird. out of Ravnica. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, you could put Boros Path of Metal or Path of Boros on it, and I'd be like, yeah, that looks like a Ravnica card, because it, it says all the most Boros-y keywords on it ever. Like, Double Strike, Vigilance, the only thing it's missing is Indestructible, you know? like yeah. mm-hmm. I'm 90% and... sure we're going back to Ravnica soon. Like, it just feels like they're telegraphing it so hard. Oh, yeah, totally. Now, what is weird on this card is that there's a lot of things in Standard, I'd say especially, that it doesn't hit on your opponent's side. It doesn't kill any of the hasty one ones out of Ramen Up Red that you'd really like it to be killing, or the two ones. Or... So in that way, it's not great. But I think that where there are X ones in Frontier, it'll be a little bit better at hitting those. You can definitely do it like... post combat too. Yes, yes, you can. But so like Glory Brown Initiate or um, 
any of the goblin tokens, those that'll hit, which is pretty cool. I just think as a the flip side of it is like really strong. Like in a mid range strategy, if you're fighting a creature deck, like there's gonna come a time where they just run out of creatures, right? Or even control, right? You flip that first control. Yeah, I don't know how control ever gets through yeah, this. Ever. Yeah, I don't know how it happens. They'd have to destroy the land. I guess they'd have to... Uh, pa- what's the Runus? The one from... Uh, field of Rune. Field Runus of Rune. Path doesn't... Field oh, of Rune, yeah, sorry. Field of They'd Rune. have to Field of Rune it. Um, but yeah, it... Or we could use this as a time to bring up another card that's in this set. I don't know if that's jumping too far off topic. Do you want to talk about Blood Sun? Let, yes, we'll, you I know, do, let's actually. get to that. Let's 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 put that for later. We need to finish okay. dinosaurs. We'll come back to that. Let's talk about dinosaurs. Right. Yes, there's well, one think, more dinosaur. I think we really Blood want Sun to talk is about a dinosaur it. card. It's part so the 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 extension of the dinosaur tribe references the sun the most. So like Kinjali is one of the aspects of the sun, and they they spend a lot of time talking about like Raging Sun's avatar, Verdant Sun's ad- avatar, etc. <laughs> so it is part of this tribe at least in terms of how rivals is viewed by r&d all right blood sun. i mean blood two sun. and a red enchantment when it enters the battlefield you draw a card all lands lose all abilities except for mana abilities. all right well i mean i think your justification on this is super loose <laughs> we're using are we using the lore to justify throwing we're it using in with flavor our, yes that's come on guys as far as power goes this is a nobody card. Nobody should play this. Really? Um, I'm not sure about that. I think that there's places for this. So I think, in Frontier. I think that, let's say let's say you're on Grixis control and you get paired up against UB, or blue-black, rather. I want to bring this in. Like, I absolutely want to bring this in. I want to turn off your search for Ascanta. I want to turn off your fetch lands. I, I want to turn, turn off your field of room. I, think, like, I yeah. think there are better sideboard cards, to be honest. Like, I just, I don't... I think, yeah, I don't, I don't see that at all. I okay, think, so talk to me, talk to me about the mana base in Abzan. In Abzan, do you think it's good? No, it's it's super bad. Right, exactly. The mana base in Abzan is awful. So here's and the so thing. So if you can turn off their third color, you can stop siege rhinos from hitting. It's rare. For, it's rare that yeah. you can turn off their third color though, right? Because they don't rely on fetches. My main problem with this card is that if you don't. So obviously you're casting it on turn three. We'll say you're you're powering it out as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, by turn three, most of the time fetch lands have done what they want to do. It's nice when you can get more lands, but increasingly we're seeing decks where they just don't have four drops, or, or you know that the curve is just getting lower and lower. And especially as it relates mm-hmm. to Abzan, they're just going to Dramoka's command this if it's actually a problem for them. And if it's not, they're going to ignore it. And I, I don't think okay, it will that's be. Fair. I, I don't think it yeah. will be a problem, right? This isn't a Blood Moon. It, it doesn't really shut... It shuts down fetch lands, and like that's about it. And, and while we do tend to run a lot of fetch lands in Frontier, I think if you want to shut them down, you're much better served uh, using... Shoot, what's it called? Thalia, right? Probably Thalia. Yeah, right, right? because... Most of the decks that want to shut down fetch lands, they, they want to do it so that they can power through and tempo you out of the game, right? So like this is an Abzan list who drops Thalia early and basically says, now you can't deal with my creatures, I'm going to take all your life while you try to figure that out. And I, I don't, yeah, think, I I don't think it's the worst card. The fact that it cantrips really interests me. And one thing along with that that I like about this card and I've started to see is that 
you can play it in a Sahili deck. You're going to be running not fetches yourself because you're going to be on the uh, the enemy colored lands, and you can bounce this with your own Philidar Guardian, draw another land, draw another card, just as something to be able to bounce. Because when you're on a non-green Sahili list, you don't have that oath of Nissa around. I find that it's sometimes hard to have a reason to just run out your Felidar Guardian. So, a little bit fringe, but that's somewhere where it interests me, and if it shuts down a little bit of the opponent's land, that's some value for a card that's already cantrip. I mean, here's the thing, right? What does this card do that Sorcerer's Spyglass doesn't do better? You like Sorcerer's Spyglass now? I don't. <laughs> I think it's still a whatever card. I think this is a worse version of that for the things you want it to do. I think I was about to have an identity crisis with you, man. Well, I think I think here's the thing, right? If Sorcerer's Spyglass can hit all these other things if you need it to, whereas this, a lot of times I feel like you're gonna play this on turn three. They're gonna have fetched for the critical lands they needed, and they're just gonna be like, all right, whatever. And you've just lost your third turn for nothing. It, you know, maybe it's okay against control. Like maybe they do have a harder time with it. Uh, but I think if you want to trump control as like a say control mirror, I think there are better things to bring in. Like in Grixis, for example, you can be bringing in fevered visions. You can be bringing in. Uh, we mentioned it earlier. The blue sphinx. Sphinx is the final word. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Like these are cards that control legit cannot be. Like you just there's no there's no maybe about it. Right. Whereas this uh, blood sun, maybe maybe they just don't maybe they've used their fetches and they don't need to worry about it anymore you know like they're not going to lose just because you turned off search for Ascanta. yeah most definitely but like with fevered visions they're going to lose because they can never run you out of gas and they're taking two damage every single turn all right so that's obviously all the dinosaurs we need to talk about now that we've mentioned blood sun <laughs> i can't think of anything more matt <laughs> So there's actually uh, two more I want to talk about. Uh, yeah, there are, there's, there's at, at least, least two I want to talk about. So let's let's go to Wayward Sword Tooth. I think this card's really really good. Like, just being able to cast Explore every single turn is just like, it's a lot. You mean having an exploration cool, so. on the battlefield? Well, isn't the old school card called Explore? So there's Explore, which is the sorcery that lets you play an additional land in cycles. Yes, that's that's what I was referring to. And there's Exploration, which is the same thing on a one-mana enchantment that doesn't cycle. All right, so this is two and a green for a 5-5, five, five, but it can't attack or block unless you have the City's Blessing. But it also has the ability that you can play an additional land on each of your turns. So it's almost like an enchantment that, you know, kind of sits there, lets you play an extra land each turn, and then you hit 10 lands, 10 creatures, 10 whatever, then it's a 5-5 five, five that you got for nothing, really, for something you'd already want to be doing. I think people are really sleeping on this. I don't think people realize just how good, like how much tempo it is to be able to play an extra land every turn. And it's fair. Like, it can be pushed. It's not so powerful that it's going to break the format, but it's really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really, really strong. Top, top, top notch card. I don't know if we have anything else to say about it, right? That's pretty much... It's great. Yeah. I love it. Sure. When when it when you do get ascend, it's going to be even better. Yeah. Yes. And I think the last dinosaur that I want to talk about is Thrashing Brontodon. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a good Ooh, one. That's I cool card. About that. Ooh wee. So I don't know how much other formats you guys play, but this takes me to Kasali Pride Mage. Yeah. Oh yeah, it definitely does. So this one is one and two green, three mana for a three four. 
and it has one sacrifice thrashing brontodon destroy target artifact or enchantment so the same ability that kusali pride mage has yeah most definitely so one of the great things about kusali pride mage is that it's main deckable because it's a body that you want anyway it attacks really well and this is once again an above rate three drop it gets an extra toughness and it gives you main deckable hate against artifact strategies. And we don't, I, I don't know, I don't know how many of those we have in Frontier, but it could be really good, right? I mean, how, well, the thing that, that boggles me is how crazy is it that this is a 3 4 for 3? It's crazy yeah. in an uncommon. Yeah. Like, it's actually crazy. Yeah, like it just, it now, seems like it's too good to be true to me. <laughs> like, on the other hand, as a sideboard card, I don't think I like this as much as something like Manglehorn. If I'm trying to just trade this to get rid of a copter, I don't think that this does quite as good of a job. I agree. I agree. I think this card is a hate bears card. And that's an archetype we've kind of slowly been seeing getting the pieces it's going to need. Uh, it's yes. not there yet. I, I don't think this card is going to put it into playable in Frontier. But but I think mm -hmm. this is an important piece. Like We will have a hate bears deck one day, and this card will be a part of it it will be a role player. And I agree with what Sky said, is that this is a very main deckable answer to artifacts and enchantments. Yeah. All right, so I've got one more that goes along with dinosaurs and is not a dinosaur creature, but it's actually one of the few cards that I think goes right into the existing dinosaur deck, if there was one. And this is a Thunderherd Migration. It's one in a green, and it's Rampant Growth. You search your library for a basic land card, put it onto the battlefield, tap, and shuffle. But as an additional cost, you either have to reveal a dinosaur or pay one. And that is just huge. We don't get this card anymore in standard legal sets. And the ability to just ramp any kind of mana is going to be really strong. Yeah, I agree. It seems like... I don't know where I was going with that. I lost my train of thought. Someone, someone help me. <laughs> I will help you. Do it. It seems to me as though Wizards wants to bridge the gap between EDH and standard. And one of the most power, the, the two most powerful things you can do in EDH period are drawing cards and ramping. And so we're getting a lot of card draw and we're getting a lot of ramp. All right. Did that about say it? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if yeah. this will actually end up seeing play in Frontier because I don't know if there's a pure dino deck that does the trick. Mm -hmm. But this, the raw power of this card is there. Oh, yeah, totally. And it might be something that, you know, we wait on it and we wait on it and we wait on it. And assuming that Frontier makes it this far, two years down the line, we get a tier one deck that is just plowing through everything. Um, maybe like uh, some sort of, I don't know, I don't want to say scape shift, but maybe like scape shift. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could be. Who knows? So do you think there's now room for a non-ramp dinosaur deck? Something with, you know, a lot of these two and three drops. You can get the, I mean, we just talked about th four cards that cost less than four mana. There is, but uh, you're not allowed to talk about it, and it's called <laughs> Naya Fight Club. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we won't talk about that. I mean, that. like, I, I kind of think so, but I, I'm also kind of like, I don't know how much of a dino deck it is as much as it just has a couple of dinos. Like, I feel like Naya Fight Club is like Relentless Raptor, maybe, maybe Siegehorn Ceratops, and uh, Ripjaw Raptor. Ripjaw Raptor. Right? Yep, absolutely. And I think it wants to run um, some mana sinks. I think it would like... Um, what What's his name? Uh, Warden of the First Tree. Yeah, mm. probably. 
So that's the kind of thing is that we didn't really see any cards this set that ask that care about other dinosaurs. Yeah. So it's like, do you, do you call that a dinosaur deck? I don't know if I would. No, I, I would call it a Naya deck. It would be a Naya mid range deck that likes likes to fight stuff. That that deck is definitely called Fight Club. There's no two ways about it. <laughs> that deck is called Naya Fight Club. All right, let's move on to a, another tribe then. I think. How about uh, pirates? I do think you mean that... humans? <laughs> I think that we do. So you were saying that vampires might be the least exciting. I think that pirates did not do it for me as a tribe here. I think they've got so many cool spells, and they've got a bunch of things that care about having pirates, and I just don't think their creature quality is high enough for there to be a deck made out of these cards. Oh, I don't know, man. Some of the creature quality here is through the roof, but I tend to agree that... I... I don't think pirates have enough draw into pirate for me. The, the real mm-hmm. thing, the real story here, I think, is that they're all humans. And, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, like, humans are obviously just a super, super good archetype in Frontier. And I think I think after this set, we're going to be looking at a four-color humans instead of bant, color, instead of bant humans. Okay. I'm okay. excited that claim. you agree with me. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think we're, you're either looking at the black fl- splash or the red splash. Hmm. So I think that it's the red splash. Yeah, because you get like but I also yeah you get like mantis rider and stuff. But I mean, on the other hand, uh, the black splash gives you an offensa. It gives you kite sail freebooter. Uh, it does dire fleet poisoner, which is one of the spoilers we're going to talk about. Is all right. So let's talk about bonkers that right now. You're, you're bringing it up. So one to black for two two in black, which is you know already something. It's flash death touch, and when it enters the battlefield, target attacking pirate you control. Gets plus one, plus one, and gains death shown until end of turn. So do you guys... So Worst is, case scenario, it's an ambush viper. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, Which is great. Do you guys remember the days when uh, a black bear was too strong? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this card's nuts. This card is so good. I'm really excited about this card. I think it's the card that I wanted the vampire that had flash last... Uh, last set to be you know on that comment matt this card is to a black bear as avison is to a um yeah absolutely it is yeah Mm -hmm. like now we can make it flip and wipe the board if something dies and like yeah (laughs) (laughs) so it kind of plays two roles on the defense you know it's flash death touch that's a really good combination because you can just pop it in and block kill any creature or you can block that in as a combat trick on the offensive and give a different one of your pirates plus one plus one and death touch, which is also very so good. So one thing I actually really like the thought of, and this doesn't work in the human strategy we're talking about, but I love the idea of flashing her in on top of a blocking Karizev, who has oh, God, first yeah. strike, right? So you give her plus one <laughs> and you just kill two of their creatures for free, basically, right? first strike and menace so they're already blocking with two. yeah so right th- they, they were, they were double blocking her just to stop her from getting through and now and now you're getting a ragavan through hey, man yeah Kari's up. Ooh, solid yeah point. and like chances are so they're going to be hear... blocking with creatures that are bigger than her to begin with because they don't want either of them to yeah. die right mm-hmm yes man what so you card. heard it here first never block carries of <laughs> <laughs> it's a trap it's a trap. I do think that beyond those ceiling situations that a lot of the time the sec- the the non-evergreen ability on this is going to be a little bit fringe just because you're going to have a hard time setting up an attacking pirate Yeah, a lot mm-hmm. of the time. Yeah. yeah. But 
Flash and Death Touch on a 2-2 for two is just... So you think this fits into the current Bant humans list? I'd consider splashing for it, but I'd more so want Kitesail for Rebooter. I think, yeah, I think what you're doing in if you're splashing black is you're looking at Anafenza, you're looking at Kitesail Freebooter, and you're looking at Dire Fleet Poisoner. Yeah. What about Fatal Push as well? Would you go all the way to running that, or is that kind of a little bit too much on the black as a splash? I think that if you're running a tribal deck, you are very cramped on how much non-creature effects you can run, because you... The the common consensus is that you should be running around thirty creatures, and so that mm. leaves a very well, small that, number high, of slots actually, for support. Support. So that, I usually think you want collected company and a removal spell. That is a little okay. a little high. Thirty's a lot, but uh, yeah, I think like you're looking at you probably have uh, eight slots that aren't for uh, creatures. So that means you got four right. cocos, and you can choose you know. One removal spell, you know, whether that's Dramoka's Command or Fatal Push, you know what, I think both are good. I think Dramoka's Command is a little more versatile. A little bit more versatile, yeah. Yeah, in, in that particular list, anyway. Okay, um, let's talk about some more pirates. So you were mentioning some of the cool two drops that they have. So there's one more in red and one more in blue that I really want to mention here. At least uh, rare, I, One yeah. of them, I'm already literally calling it sky burials card like, I just refer to it as like i'm like it's the sky boy it's it's sky boy. <laughs> it is so this sky is, boy uh, <laughs> this is partially because i think that we first saw it with a non-english translation so the actual name here is work height marauder it's one in a blue for a two one flying human pirate and when work height marauder attacks target creature defending player controls loses all abilities and has base power power and toughness zero one until end of turn when this got spoiled, I was like, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> this is such a good card. Oh my gosh. It polymorphs on attacks. We haven't yeah, had something that... this great since Magic 2015. Like, it's so blue. And it's so good. And it flies. And it's a human. And it's good. It's a body that you want. And, like, yeah. I love this card. And it... It's very easy to underestimate this. I mean, you think about, like, oh, I'm going to use this creature's ability at the end of the turn. Well, not if they turned it into an O one with no abilities. And I think yeah, most definitely. I think people really underestimate flying in Frontier. Just like they do, it's such a good form of evasion, and like just not a lot of things can block flying in Frontier. It's one of the reasons why um, one of our most popular cards is Smuggler's Copter. Yeah, is because it gives mm-hmm. any deck flying that plays creatures. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, there's Ishkana who can block this, but no, wait, she can't. She's an 0-1 creature. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good luck draining me. You better do it in response, because you're about to lose your Ishkana. <laughs> yeah, um, this is amazing with things that Bant Humans already likes to do. It, you can turn a Rhino into a 0-1, and then Dramoka's command it. It's pretty amazing. Um, so this does stuff that was you know uh that was already really popular with Glorybound initiate and it just powers mm-hmm. up the deck all more yeah i think now i wish there was a good way to combine this with walking ballista but i haven't seen that deck yet well salt i hardened scales you heard it here fo- first folks Ooh, <laughs> ooh wee. all right I, if you're gonna bring that up we gotta bring up the blue green enchantment then we'll get to that we we'll get to that, that yeah, well, we're gonna do the cycle we're gonna talk about the cycle later let's let's finish pirates okay we will well, hey, you got to talk about Path of Metal early, okay, dude? Like, And I'm going to talk about it again, don't you worry. 
So Hadana's <laughs> climb is one, a green and a blue for a uh, legendary enchantment. And at the beginning of your combat in your turn, you put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. And then if it has three or more plus one plus one counters, you transform it. And it turns into a land that taps for any mana, legendary land. You can pay one a green and a blue, target creature you control gains flying, and gets plus X plus X until end of turn where X is its power. Yeah, so I'm... We're going to talk about it in a little bit. <laughs> but there's a new archetype in town, and I think that there's a lot of untested territory, and there are going to be a lot of things that we try in it. And for that particular archetype that I'm not going to name... This is a part of like this whole set is Christmas morning because <laughs> like a new a, a new archetype fell on our lap, probably three and like this this is a card that's worth testing in it. So yeah, so you don't see this in any existing deck like the the plus one plus one counters decks right now. Do you think they want this? So if I want to get flying on a creature in humans, I'm using Abzan Falconer. Okay, because. It's just going to do it for every creature that has a plus one, plus one counter on it. And I'm doing that with Thalia's Lieutenants and Dramoka's Commands. So that's how I like to do it. And then I just got another flyer. So I'm feeling all right in the air with humans right now. I don't really think it needs it. As far as hard and scales go, I think the Sultai mana base is really too hard to make that work. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. just like it, you, you give up so much just trying to make that mana base work. But I think yeah. eventually the reality is we are going to get better uh, enemy mana base. Uh, okay. But <laughs> for now, I think, no, you can't. You can't do anything with that. Uh, <laughs> even as is, I'm not sure if this is anything, if this is going to work. Just because, you know what, three mana for a do-nothing, at, at least to begin with, is kind of blah. You know, like, especially in an aggressive deck, I, I don't see it. That said, the upside of flipping this for one, it's really easy to flip in that kind of deck. Mm -hmm. And for two, the mm -hmm. upside of giving your gigantically buffed creature flying is a lot, right? Like, a, flying is huge, and you're getting massive creatures to begin with in hardened scales. See, I'm interested in testing it, but we'll come back to that. I'm sure I'll drop a uh, jank brew on you guys one day. Yeah. Oh, I'll, so. I'll gladly even play a few games with your jank brew because it sounds <laughs> super sweet and fun. And it's something I want to try because I'm a big fan of Sultai and I'm a really big fan of multicolored decks. But uh, we'll, 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 we'll save that for offline. All right, so the last pirate we're going to talk about, at least for this kind of sort of cycle, is the one red, one colorless human pirate, 2-1. This one is first strike, and when it enters the battlefield, you exile a instant or sorcery from an opponent's graveyard, and you can cast that card this turn, spending mana as if it were mana of any type to cast it. Mm-hmm. So, so a lot of people are calling this the red snapcaster mage. Steelcaster mage, yeah. Mm -hmm. Something like that. It's like so, a threaten and a snapcast all in all in one, right? So So walk me through this. What are some lines of play you'll that are likely with this card? I don't know. Man. Likely? I think So you steal a fatal push if you're aggro against Abzan and maybe kill one of their blockers? Yeah, I mean you could do that as a that's a turn three play. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like I guess the fact that this doesn't have flash really ruins it for me. If this had flash, I think this would be really playable. I agree. But I think, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a lot narrower than Snapcaster Mage just by nature uh, because you have to steal enemy spells and who knows whether they're going to have a spell that's at all useful for you, right? 
because uh, certain mm-hmm. decks they're just not gonna, and that's fine. But the fact that it doesn't have flash really, really throttles down the power to a point where, as cool as this is, is a sweet effect. I, I don't know how practically useful it is. You can you can build around this though. I mean, look look at it this way. You can you can put sphinxes. Okay, stop me stop me when I when I'm getting crazy here. But you can do sphinxes tutelage. You can do ipnu rivulet. Like we have mill sources in frontier. Like you, you can set this up, get some sorceries in your opponent's graveyard, and then start killing them with them. What do you think? All right, that's going pretty far. <laughs> we're, we're we've hit finkel levels of janky guys. So, so what I'm kind of wondering there is, is there any kind of existing archetype that would like this? I think that might be something that holds us back right now, is that the red decks are almost too aggressive for this. They, they don't really want this. Yeah, I think they're... As far as I can I think tell. we're sleeping on... Like, honestly, I think there's a variety of Jun decks that can work right now uh, hmm. that are kind of mid-rangey, and I think we're sleeping on a lot of them. I think there's legitimately, like, two or three different mid-range Jun lists that are properly good in this format i think the fact that finkel cut with a gen mid-range list that didn't lean on the delirium and didn't try to power out emrakul is Mm -hmm. enough of a testament to that and i i rib him a lot for it but it's it's worth noting that the creature quality is really high in jund i actually didn't even know that really i had no idea he did that so did do but yeah i think there's a few for sure tireless tracker is really amazing yeah. Filling your graveyard is awesome. Yeah. And Ishkana is such a cool command, creature. Kolagun's command is amazing. Like Goblin Dark Dwellers has always been great. Yeah. Oh, uh, there's there's okay, things I want to uh... say, but I can't say them yet. You, you can hear <laughs> what, about them. What other pirates would you like to talk about? Uh, the last pirate, cough cough, I mean human, I want to talk about is Everdon Champion. Oh yeah, such a great pirate. Yeah, super, yeah. <laughs> oh, that one's not even a pirate. Is oh, I was going to mention the uh, the there's a red for one red mana. There's a two two, but you have to reveal a pirate to cast it or pay two. Yeah, this is going to be a draft, like an amazing draft card. I'm yeah, it's so part of that cycle we've been mentioning. I mean, I put this yeah. in this in the file, and uh, I'm I kind of <laughs> regretting it because like, as much as you know what, this is a good pirate card. I don't think pirates are worth talking about in Frontier as pirates. I think they're only worth talking about as humans. I'm with you there 100%. Yeah, yeah. so I think... I, I, I regret putting this for us to talk about. Ooh. All right, I do have one more pirate, though, before we move on, that I actually do think we'll see some... Is that Everdon Champion? No, he's talking no, about Fanatical Firebrand. It's I am talking about Gabo. Fanatical Firebrand. God, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> so this is Mug Fanatic meets the uh, Raging Goblin. One red mana for a 1-1 with haste, which that's barely playable. I mean, that's not playable. There's better than that in Frontier, but it, it, it's closer to getting there. But you can tap and sacrifice it to do one damage to target creature or player. If it which... didn't sack, I would be so amazed with this card. But oh, God. <laughs> I'm not impressed You could also <laughs> You could also get this back with Renegade Rallyer for cute loops. <laughs> that would be pretty fun. Yeah, we can we can we can brew this later. Finkel, I'm thinking Renegade Rallyer. I'm thinking this, and then Felidar Guardian. Hmm. What I'm more excited about with this card is that oh well, that's one thing. It does stop Felidar Guardian combo just by sitting there, but it gives you interaction in a red deck that otherwise just wants to be playing a bunch of creatures. You know, if you've only got four or five slots for a removal spell, and this can take out a blocker for you, then that's huge. I mean, it. it kills glorybound initiate which is a big problem for them it kills uh 
I'm sure there's other good X ones that it'll kill. You know what? I actually had forgotten that Glory Bound Initiate was a big sticking point. So you know what? Yeah, maybe. Uh, that said, I, I do think this is more of a goblin card than a red card, right? Like, I don't think we have enough goblins in Frontier that goblins are worth running. But I think okay. if that day ever comes, and it seems likely that it will, given that goblins are a popular red staple tribe, uh, mm-hmm. I, I think this could have a part in it. Because, you know, it's not a bad body. It's got a decent effect. We just need the tribal payoff for it to be worth running. Goblins okay. are a tribe that exists in Dominaria. They're probably going to reprint Squee <laughs> because he was part of the original oh, God, Weatherlight thing. Yeah, so we, we, we could probably see goblins in Dominaria, so it'll get there. And the last pirate we're going to talk about. The last about. pirate ever done champion. Ever done champion. You really want me to talk? Okay, so this is the one that's white <laughs> for a 2-2. You don't think this is good? And... You don't want to talk about this? Prevent all combat damage that we'd be able to ever don champion. How is this not amazing to you, Finkel? Oh, it's, it's so it's so funny. I, I don't know yet <laughs> where it's gonna really do work. Like I don't think it's aggressive enough to really want it in like my white humans deck. It blocks Hazaret. <sighs> so my big thing with this, I don't think it's like a human card. I think this is another hate bears card. Okay. I think it could be a human's card. Not that there are not other humans I want to run, and not that the three-drop slot in humans is always super cramped. I just think it's cool and it's playable. You could probably and talk I me into it as a fun of. You could probably talk me into it being a sideboard card in humans. Yeah, sideboardable, decks. absolutely. But I think that the the big story of this uh, is we're just slowly building the pieces to a hate bears kind of deck, and the truth is that. I think Hate Bears is going to have a problem with creatures going tall, right? Uh, Hate mm. Bears is probably going to be a Dust to Dawn deck, uh, mm-hmm. which means this is the creature that helps them get to their Dust to Dawn, right? This is the creature that walls off the Siege Rhinos, the Tassigers. Uh, Stops the bad guys. Yeah, this is, this is how it lets you get to your kind of disruptive plan by protecting your life total. And it doesn't die to dusk to dawn, which is or to dusk anyway. Uh, and d- dawn can bring it back. Right? Gets brought back by d- dawn. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I, th- I think that's that's the archetype we're looking at for this card. And I think it is good. It doesn't have a home right now because I don't think again I don't think hate bears is there. But I think it is a matter of time, and this is a role player. Okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean it doesn't really fit into any of our tribal talk right now, but I'm glad that you brought it up. It's a card that. Maybe I overlooked a little bit. So are we going to talk about him? Talk about who? Goblins? Talk about the next tribe. Goblins. All right, we can... (laughs) No, there's one more really big tribe to talk about. And it's not goblins? Hmm. I mean, I can talk goblins. Phoenix tribal. We could talk about... Phoenix, that, that is a good card. We'll have to talk about that. That's a good Let, card. Let's finish up talking our cycle of tribal cards, and then we'll come back to some of the just sweet individual cards from the set. I don't. What what so tribes left? Merfolk. Oh, Merfolk. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh yeah, Merfolk. Yeah. Who oh god, forget? there are so many Merfolk. We probably that. have to talk. <laughs> there about are because we think. I think we thought that Merfolk was so far away from being a tribe, and there are just so many cards here that I like for it. Yeah, Merfolk. They pushed it. Yeah, Mer- they pushed someone it. at Wizards decided i'm gonna make merfolk viable <laughs> like somebody push merfolk oh it's so right. pushed have you seen let's almost run things? through uh. let's run through merfolk how they 
what they've got kind of by CMC here. Like you're kind of thinking about what their curve is, what some of their possible cards are. What do they have at one? I mean, they had the the kind of the two mana one one or the one mana two two last set, Command and now speaker. they got a couple more yeah. options. They've got this mist cloaked herald. It's one blue for a one one can't be blocked, or they've got the one mana in green. That's a one one that puts a plus one plus one counter on another bear folk. Jade bearer. Yeah. Do we want either of those? Are these good enough to go into a real Merfolk deck? Do they make a Merfolk both, deck? Both. I'd have to own? test it. Bur- both seem exceptional to me. Um, I think part of the problem I've been seeing with with uh, Merfolk is they don't have a way to get tall, or not taller than uh, what other decks are going to do. And we're going to argue about this in a minute, mm. this guy. Um, <laughs> but to me. Uh, I think Merfolk need a way to pressure opponents' life totals while they just go super wide because they get all this card advantage. Uh, and they get th- these ways to just dump the board full of these kind of medium-sized guys, but that they're not necessarily ready to attack through the walling creatures they may be up against. Okay. So I think, I think the can't-be-blocked is actually really important, especially as we start to look at uh, some of the other cards, like Merfolk Mistbinder. Oh god, yeah. So this is really... This card's huge. It's one green, one blue. It's 2-2. Two, two. Other Merfolk you control get plus one, plus one. It's like the Vampire one, but even better probably going wide, even better with just some of the other card quality we're seeing in Merfolk. And so the as other someone... real two-mana lord that we've got here, sorry, I'm going to run through it, is the Deep Root Elite. One in a green for a 1-1, one, one, and whenever another Merfolk enters the battlefield in your control... Put a plus one, plus one counter on target Merfolk you control. Yeah, so it's like an Elvish Vanguard, but it you can mm-hmm. put it on anything. So, really, really cool. Um, and I've been making a lot of comparisons to Elves just because I've been playing Elves and Popper a lot. But <laughs> it's it's worth trying because, you know, it's it's a classic tribe and it, it should be, you know, a bit of a, an anchor to what a tribe can do as we navigate through a tribal block. And yeah, so Deeper Deeper Delete is awesome, but Merfolk Mistbinder specifically was something that when a lot of people were asking me at least about what do you think it would take for Merfolk to be playable in Standard and Frontier, needs a Lord. Like, oh yeah, it's I think it's literally not a an hour before this card dropped. An hour before this card dropped, you and me were talking, and we're like, I was like, yeah, I don't think Merfolk are gonna get there. At this point, they would need to see a two mana Lord. That'd be the only way. It to has get to be there. a two mana Lord. This card and then dropped. We got it. This card dropped right away. Yeah, this card's super good. Uh, I don't have any complaints about this. I do have a complaint about the Deep Root Elite. I think people are super overrating Deep Root Elite. I think it has the exact same issues that uh, it was the Construct. What was that card called? Metallic Mimic. Metallic Mimic. It has the exact same issues Metallic Mimic has, right? Uh, well, it might be a little more versatile. Uh, I, I think the big problem with Metallic Mimic is that it's very all... It's a below-ray body. It, not just a below-ray body, but it's also very all-in, and it dies to Fatal Push, right? So you, mm. you're kind of like dropping it early. Banking on people, yeah. And, yeah, and banking on people not hitting it specifically with the best, most played removal in the format. And it also kind of sucks as a top deck, right? So, like, if you draw this on turn six, you know, it it's a two-mana 1-1. One, one. Okay. So here's my counter and I think, to that. Okay, actually, I'll let you counter, and then I'll counter your counter. Okay. Oh, no. no cool, we nice. We're going, we're going forensics class style. Cool. So 
There are so many other things that people want to hit with push in this deck. Merfolk Mistbinder is one of them. Like, if you want to get a lot of power off the board quickly, Merfolk Mistbinder is often going to take five power off the board. Whereas, like, pushing this Deep Root Elite, if it's been on the board for a little while, the damage is done. And in Merfolk, like, when you when your opponent's on Merfolk and you have, like, let's say you're in mid-range strategy, your removal's at a premium because they're going to be dumping a lot of creatures thanks to their Silvergill Adepts who cantrip and thanks to their um, their Deep Root, sorry, not Deep Root, their Merfolk Mist, not Merfolk Mist, uh, their Merfolk Branchwalkers. Branchwalker, yes. Yeah, which, a lot, like, Merfolk Branchwalker actually provides a surprising amount of value. Like, it's, Oh, that card is very good. I think people were underrating it last season, and I did very well with it. I ran four of it in that uh, company deck. It was so good in that deck. Um, yeah, and it's really good in Simic Merfolk, which they call Tropical Merfolk in Modern. Merfolk <laughs> Branchwalker ends up being the reason why you win games with that deck. And it wins the Mirror, and it's it's just super good. Explore is a messed up mechanic, I agree. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I am I still think as people test Deeper Delete, uh, it's going to be one of the two cards out of these that people are really hyped on that I think aren't going to make the final cut as we see Merfolk progress into Frontier. Okay, one that definitely is going to make the cut there that you did mention there is the Silver Girl Adept. That's a reprint, the 2-1 for 1 and a blue, and when it enters the battlefield, you draw a card, but you have to pay 3 to play it or have another Merfolk in hand. Man, this is one of those cards that when I like when I looked at Lorwyn Block... I was like, why don't they print cards like this anymore? <laughs> and then we... Th this actually got announced super early for the reprint. Um, yeah. Blake and then Rasmussen, we got this whole cycle of it, yeah. Yeah. So Blake Rasmussen spoiled Galta, or Jalta, however we're pronouncing that, and Silvergill Adept as, like, a draw to FNMs, because they're going to be passed out as FNM promos. And uh, so that Is was... Is it that? I thought it was... Some some other kind of promo, but it was some kind of promo. I think it was F and M's, but you might you might be right. However, it was like spoiled as part of that, and people are like, "Oh my gosh!" So, yeah, uh, I'm I'm stoked on it. Like this tribe is getting super pushed, and yeah, Silvergill Adept is gonna make the cut as a four of absolutely. Yeah, this is uh, an archetype definer. So I, I don't have much to say, but it's good. Yeah, and then there's some three drops too that we could probably move up to. So. There's a couple options here. So the one of them, it's really basic. It's the Jade Light Ranger. It's two green and one for a two one, just like Merfolk Branchwalker, except this one explores twice. So it's it's the Maelstrom Wanderer of Explore. So for me, I actually <laughs> think this is not a Merfolk card. I think this is going to be a, a graveyard card. Yeah, this is a graveyard slash land card. It's a hmm. it, it's a card that I don't know what strategy it fits into yet. But like I said, explore is a messed up mechanic, and exploring twice is crazy. Like that's so much exploring. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, the other non-legendary one I like is they've got a one and also is also one and two green for a three-three with flash, which that's already pretty valuable. Three, three. I, mean, I want a three-three with flash. Period. Yeah, and when it enters the battlefield, target Merfolk you control gains hexproof until end of turn, which is card advantage, really. Yeah, I I don't have much to say about it. Good card. Okay, um, yeah, I'm glad we're moving through these quickly. So the one that probably will have some more questions on is Kumena. This is the legendary Tyrant of Orzaka, and it's one green-blue for a 2-4 legendary creature. 
and you can tap another Merfolk you control to give it unblockable. You can tap three untapped Merfolk you control, including itself, to draw a card. Uh, and you can tap five untapped Merfolk you control to put a plus one, plus one counter on every Merfolk you control. This is your payoff. <sighs> okay, I haven't tested with Merfolk yet, so this is a card I don't know. How likely is the tap three that you're not going to be attacking with them? How likely is the tap five that you're not going to be attacking with them instead? That's, that's my complaint. I think I mentioned earlier this is one of, there's one of two cards that I think people are going to move off of as they test more Merfolk, and I think this is one of them. I think. Do you think this is one of the cards people are going to move off? Of? I think it might. It might stay as a one of. Yeah. I think. I think it's one of the best reasons to run Coco Folk. Like, if you're running a collected company Merfolk deck, you're usually going to be able to use at least the draw card, and it makes itself unblockable, and like it has an ability that once again. I I just we were talking earlier about Nettle Sentinel and how it interacts with Birchlore Rangers, where hmm. like Birchlore Rangers doesn't say on it, tap Birchlore Rangers. Birchlore Ranger says, tap two things and it makes mana. Right, so it interacts very well with Nettle Sentinels because Nettle Sentinels untaps and then you can tap two creatures to make mana. To cast another creature. So, to untap Nettle Sentinel. Well, I mean, so it's in like, Frontier, we don't have a Nettle Sentinel Merfolk, right? We don't, but it has that mechanic that allows you to tap things at flash speed. It bypasses summoning sickness, So And that's really good. Finkel kind of touched on why I don't think this is actually going to make the final cut. I think it might be a one-of, or, or even a sideboard card. Uh, and it's that, I think, for Merfolk, you want to be going fast and running down their health, right? Uh, this is very yeah. slow, and I don't think it's kind of like uh, zombies, right? There was Crypt Breaker, uh, which right. had a similar effect, at least to the the tapping three zombies, right? Draw a card. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's a one drop, which is a much less contested slot than this. It's non legendary, uh, and, and the truth is that every time I've played with it, it's been kind of not bad. I like to I like to draw cards. Drawing cards is good, but it's slow and it takes a lot of investment. Three, three tapped creatures, three creatures that can't attack per turn is a real investment. Uh, her body isn't super great as uh, like, so for being able to be unblocked, Kuman is a dude or sorry for being able to be unblockable. A two, four doesn't impress me. And finally, uh, yes. Tapping five untapped merfolk can break a board. Okay, slot. that one's a bit that one's a bit far fetched. I mean it can like, I don't think we're gonna get there. I, I think that's the most important one. Um, it is because it lets you really screw up combat math, especially if you're hitting them off of a collected company on blocks. But you're not gonna get there oftentimes. Yeah I think I think I think yeah. the reason you want Kumena or Kumina is how I think it said Kumina. I don't know how to say it. I'm gonna say Kumina. Um, is to break board stalls and I think that's like the only place she's he is good. So I, I'm not impressed. I think I think there's no. No. What if we give them all vigilance? What if we play that uh that new tribal uh card that'll give them plus one plus one vigilance? They still have and to tap attack to use and then the tap. Ability. But you can all well, sure. So they, the turn, they'll though. attack and then tap. Oh yeah yeah yeah. I see what you're saying. That could I be know, fine. Maybe I'm, yeah, I'm talking a little bit. That that's not really. We're not in white, but uh, yeah, it seems that seems very uh, ambitious. I think, especially because I think. I mean, I don't know, because see, I think there's two ways you could go with Merfolk. One of them is Coco, mm-hmm. and you don't want that card no matter what in Coco. There's just no room. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. The other way is Smuggler's Copter. The card, yeah. Uh, 
And okay. you know what? Maybe maybe a smuggler's copter deck could use that. I don't know. It seems like a lot of building around for a legendary three drop. Yeah. Okay. I can see it. I think that, yeah, I, as a one of, it's fine. As a two of, kind of pushing it. But there are so many merfolk you want to run. I don't know if you've tried building a merfolk list yet, but like... I sit down and I'm like, oh, all right, well, I guess I'm running 90 cards because, like, <laughs> I want four of so many. Well, of that's exactly things. my point, right? Uh, it's yeah. a very crowded list, especially as you get to the higher points on the curve. Uh, and Kumina is just a slow card. And Merfolk want to go fast. All right, guys, speaking of going fast, what do we have for other Merfolk that we want to mention here? I think that I've talked about most of the ones. I've maybe got one more I'll mention if no one else has them. I think um, I got no more like hard merfolk. I have a spell that I could talk about. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll mention my one here is that it's a four drop, so we weren't really talking about it because we were a little yeah, bit fixated on the There are some people talking about it. There is sure. Seafloor Oracle. It's a 2-3 merfolk wizard, and whenever you a merfolk you control deals combat damage to a player, you draw a card. And that's not one or more. That's one. So if you do it with three, you draw three cards. So I think if you're going hard on the unblockable plan with River Sneak and Mist Cloak Herald, that this card could be a house. Yeah, so it would come down, draw two cards right away. That's paying for itself easily. Uh, it seems. And then one of those is a Silver Gill Adept. You're drawing another card. We seems okay to me, but I'm not in love with it. I think it's a little win more. I think if you're if you're hitting them that much, you're probably already winning. Like if you have that much board and you have and you're swinging through for that much unblocked, you're probably already winning, right? And in the in this thing's best case, how much better is it than Coco? Yeah, that, that's hard to say. And I think that if you are Coco and you're still finding maybe one slot for a four drop, I think there's other options there, such as, um, what's the Bant Planeswalker? Uh, Tamiya. Uh, Tamiya, yeah. I mean, maybe we're, uh, that's that, for some reason I'm on Bant. We were thinking blue-green. But yeah, th there's other options if you did somehow want this in a Coco deck. Yeah, but I yeah would you definitely could go with Coco. Kiora. She's, she's I would want great, Coco right? more than this. Yeah, that's, that's the basic problem, right? Because like, it's kind of incompatible with Coco. And, and I think mm -hmm. Coco kind of does the same job, but much, much better. Yeah, All right. I, I um, really like Coco and creature decks. So I, I do want to say one more thing about the Coco versus other options. Mm -hmm. So... Something that I have found with Collected Company is that it does two to three relevant things. So first off, it puts creatures instead of casting them. So it allows you to get around counter spells, assuming that your opponent held up something that can't counter a Collected Company. And it allows you to cheat out, like it, it cheats out more mana than you spent, right? So mm -hmm. it, it gets you ahead on mana by putting like two Reflector Mages on the board or like a Reflector Mage and a Tireless Tracker. Um, and it does things at flash speed. So those are like the three amazing things that Collected Company does. But if I'm hitting two one drops off of a Collected Company, I'm very underwhelmed. And yeah, yeah. Considering the number of one drops that I want to run in this deck, like I'm, I'm more so really leaning towards other options right now because <laughs> it it just doesn't seem like a good combination. I want to be triple spelling with Merfolk. Oh wow! Okay, I, so again, I haven't tested it as much. I would think that you'd have been running maybe 
four to eight one drops and that was it i tend to agree with sky uh specifically because i think people especially on untap open league underestimate the value of smuggler's copter uh yeah yeah and i think especially if you're looking at a strategy where you already have a bunch of unblockable damage swinging through it makes a lot of sense to me that smuggler's copter is another little bit of damage that is very hard to interact with unless they have their own smuggler's copter to, to block you know right totally and another thing that smuggler's copter is going to do considering how much this deck wants to explore is it's going to turn your flooded hands into gas so it'll allow you to do those triple spells because the downside oftentimes to explore is that you get flooded and Hmm. it just stops that if you've got a hand with five lands in it and you've got two smugglers copters on the board you can turn those into spells yeah the card filtering is really strong Uh, and kind of finally i really like jade bearer and miscloaked herald with it because you drop your miscloaked herald then you drop your jade bearer buffing your miscloaked or your miss yeah your miscloaked herald and what does your jade bearer do from now on you know it, it's it's a one mana one one at that point give it the job of crewing that copter right yeah totally he's on copter duty also i really i just want to say like i really like the appeal of swinging with a five four river snake every turn <laughs> i think that's an exciting deck it's one of those archetypes where you said <laughs> it's probably established like this is this is the set that established Mirrorfolk as something we could play. Yeah, I think I think Mirrorfolk's it's it's archetype. very very close to being a good deck. It might even be a properly tier deck. Uh, I think it's going to get born straight into tier two, and with some polishing, it could be tier one. That, that's yeah, and that, that's going to be a problem. Is feeling. that I don't know when's the next time we're going to see new Mirrorfolk. Yeah, could be Dominaria. Could be. Could be. Um, do you it want to it talk also about some could cool be the cards? corset. We're getting a corset. We can get anything in a corset. Ooh, yeah, we could get Lord of Atlantis. <laughs> we could. So we could get <laughs> Wanderwine, whatever his name is, the one who gives you turns. So I think it's time that we actually have to move on to the flip land cycle, right? Because we're we're going long Ooh, okay, and we need to cover this stuff. Yeah, let's talk about that. Let's talk about some of the cool mythics that haven't been covered, and let's do maybe a quick run through of what we think some of the best cards are. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, before we keep going, just as an interruption, I know we are going long. Yeah. We should probably make this a two-parter. 